and you're listening to Square One, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs, investors, and executives at the cutting edge of business. And I'm your host, Ramin Shah. There's one document that every business lives on, contracts. But the contract management space and legal industry more broadly has been a historical laggard on innovation and technology adoption. Enter Ironclad. Ironclad, simply put, is a startup that makes it easier for legal teams to manage their contract workflow. And this isn't a small problem by any stretch. The company's raised over 80 million from some of the best in the industry, Sequoia, Excel, Emergence Capital, and Y Combinator Continuity, to fundamentally change the interaction model between businesses and their contracts. I chatted with Jason Baymig, founder and CEO at Ironclad, on how he's building one of the most interesting companies in the legal industry today. Welcome, Jason. It's a pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So Jason, really excited to have you on the show today and dive pretty deeply into Ironclad and your perspective on the future of contracts and and legal tech. But before that, tell us a little bit more about your background and how it led you to finding Ironclad. Yeah, so uh, I was a corporate attorney. I uh, graduated law school and I started working at Fenwick & West, started working for a great attorney there named Ted Wang. Uh, who had worked with a bunch of pretty luminary Silicon Valley startups, I think ranging from Facebook to Twitter to Dropbox. Um, and Ted and I sort of had this idea that we could uh, innovate on the role of the junior associate by allowing the junior associate to use technology to be a little bit more effective. Uh, and so I started working with Ted. I started using technology in my practice and eventually became uh, more interested in uh, how technology could actually change the practice of law uh, and change the work specifically around business contracts than um, I was with being an associate. So it was that initial time at Fenwick and West that got me, uh, I would say, interested in the intersection of law and technology and interested in the problem of uh, business contracts. Yeah. And so before before we jump into you know what you guys are specifically up to at Ironclad, let's, let's take a step back and talk about the state of the industry today. You know, we've been seeing an active conversation around the impact of data and analytics and legal. Uh, And it's actually a very interesting and applicable domain to apply the technology to, given the disparate set of corpuses that the technology can be layered onto. And from my personal experience, I've seen a lot more of the willingness uh, in-house versus in law firms. Talk a little bit more. You've talked about the in-house department and how it's really changed over the past five years and why it's set up for a solution like Ironclad. Talk a little bit more about the in-house department and how that change has, has transpired over the past five years. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing that's just been an absolute sea change in the in-house legal world is the emergence of the legal operations function. And I think in some ways this was what was stopping the profession from uh, being able to leverage that data and uh, do that quantitative analysis that you were talking about. Uh, but the role of legal operations has been largely non-lawyers working within legal departments to make the entire department more effective uh, as a way to deal with the drastically increased workload that in-house legal departments are seeing. You know, if you've got 300 lawyers and they all need to be doubly efficient next year, you can't just double the number of lawyers. You're bringing in a small legal operations team to make every lawyer um, double the level of efficiency. And so I think that legal operations function has been some function that's really leaned in on ironclad and the efficiencies you can get from contracts and probably the number one trend I'm seeing that that has affected change in the space. And so we, we've talked about ironclad solving the contract problem a bit in, in the prior two, two questions. Tell us what ironclad is. Give us the brief of the company. 
Yeah. So Ironclad is a digital contracting platform. And what that means is it does everything end to end that happens with the contract, whether that's making it or managing it. Uh, So historically, if you're dealing with a business contract, you've touched a bunch of different systems along the way. Uh, And this is something I've felt as a law firm associate even, but you're making a contract with some document generation software. You're doing some editing within Word. You're doing some redlining within Workshare Compare. You're getting it signed with HelloSign or DocuSign or any of the other commodity e-signature products. Um, And you're storing it in the final copy in something like a Dropbox folder or a Google Drive folder, ideally. Um, And maybe you're actually, if you're a bigger company, you're using a contract management system that you're doing data entry into so that you can search on a more granular level. And so similar to how uh, modern cell phones incorporate a number of previously distinct devices like an MP3 player or a camera uh, or a flip phone all in one device, what we're trying to do is be that one device for the digital contract. And that means you're going to create your document in uh, Ironclad. You're going to uh, have your fallback provisions and your clause library type functionality available in that system. You're going to be able to, with the click of a button, send it out via your preferred e-signature provider. You're going to automatically capture all of the key metadata, and you're going to be able to search on a very granular level, uh, all within the same platform. And that provides a bunch of benefits. One is just a usability uh, play. Uh, So when you have to go affect that change management throughout your organization as a small legal team, it becomes a lot easier. You just tell someone, go log into Ironclad, and that's where you'll find everything. Um, but core idea of Ironclad, all of the contract workflow and repository functionality within the same application for the first time ever in a very usable package. And, and it sounds like the use case is applicable to any size of shop, right? So your customers range from you know, large global brands all the way down to influencers. Talk, talk a little bit more about the, the yeah. applicability of the use case. Yeah, I mean, we've always thought it was really funny that contract management is such a small industry in the grand scheme of things, because when you think about it, every single company around the world has business contracts. It's, it's a fundamental element of being a company is that you're making contractual relations with other business entities, but only a very, very small percentage of companies actually have a single system for making and managing those business contracts. Um, that seemed silly to us, and we felt like the reason was because no one's made that single, uh, comprehensive, easy-to-use platform. And it turns out, um, you know, there's a lot of buzz around AI and machine learning and natural language processing, and those are all very fun things that we actually do work on here at Ironclad. But it turns out building a configurable, customizable, usable platform that any contract can go on, whether it's an influencer agreement or a ticket sales agreement or um, a marketing partnerships agreement or a supplier agreement, it's really hard to make that um, and make it usable and understandable by our customers in a way that they can set it up on their own. Um, so we've, we've spent really the majority of our company's life cycle building that. And now because we have a bunch of customers, uh, we have hundreds of customers ranging from the L'Oreal's of the world to a bunch of tech companies like Dropbox and Reddit. Um, and the reason that we're able to, to work with all of those companies on the same platform is that we've put in that hard work of making that configurable, customizable um, workflow solution. And you have a pretty interesting philosophy around contracts, which, you know, if I recall correctly, the way you've talked about it is contracts should be 
collaborative, connected, and provide insight into data. I think it's an interesting framing. Spell, yeah. spell that out a little bit more deeply. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I think we live in the age of collaboration software, and everything is becoming more collaborative. I'm very inspired by what happens in the design world with a company like Figma, which takes uh, the ability to do designs and makes it a multiplayer collaborative experience, which designs have always been, but the way that people have collaborated is over email or, or weird version control systems. And they built collaboration into the app in a first class way and just exploded within the design community. I think we're doing something very similar within the contracting world. Contracts, even more so than any design file, uh, is by its very nature uh, a collaborative medium. And we are building the tools for deep collaboration around contracts, many of which have analogies to uh, core problems that software engineers have run into. Three-way merge, for instance, I could probably talk for the next two hours about how interesting a problem three-way merge is from a technical <laughs> capacity, um, but we don't have to solve it for the first time because engineers have actually solved the problem of three-way merge uh, through GitHub and other um, forms of collaborative software. But uh, on that first part, collaboration, yes, first class contracts are collaborative and we think you must treat every feature within the platform through a collaborative lens. Um, connected is that uh, contracts are a fascinating asset because they're touched by every department across the company. And it's not just the legal team who deals with contracts. Customer success team needs to know what, how many seats a uh, salesperson sold. Salesperson actually needs to get a signed contract in the door. Uh, marketing team needs to know what logos they can use for their press releases uh, or put on the website. All these things actually boil down to a contract. And we need to connect that data to the places and systems and teams that that actually gets consumed, uh, where it actually gets consumed. And so um, by its very nature, a digital contracting platform must be a connected system. Um, and then finally, if you do those two things right, you have a really interesting wealth of data and you're able to take this profession, the legal profession, and start having it be a quantitative profession for the first time in history. Uh, legal profession has always been qualitative. In fact, if you go to your no uh, normal law firm or legal department right now, they're going to uh, look at a particular clause and look at another clause and tell you that one clause is better. And the person who's been doing that for a long time uh, is probably making a really great qualitative uh, assessment of which clause should go in. But we can actually start to tell people, um, hey, this clause, if you put it in, is going to shorten your deal cycle or likely to shorten your deal cycle by two days. Um, and then you can make a, a more uh, quantitative decision based on uh, actual data uh, as opposed to just guesswork. Yeah, I, I really like the qualitative and the quantitative aspect as well as what you talked a little bit about earlier of taking the, you know, taking an engineering type approach. It's, you know, there, I think there's a significant overlap in how engineers and lawyers think about problems, even though it's certainly not, you know, a first pairing that would meet the eye. You know, there's, of course, you know, very diagrammatic differences as well. You've taken a very strong technical approach to the product. Talk a little bit more about, you know, how the combination of a, a legal lens and legal perspective and, and potentially a qualitative perspective and an engineering perspective and a more of a quantitative perspective has, has, uh, has built into uh, constructing the product. Yeah, I mean, I think it's from really two very, at first glance, different perspectives. Um, and that's the perspectives of me and my co-founder, Kai. So my perspective, and this goes back to law school, 
I love studying history and philosophy. And one of the reasons I went to Notre Dame for law school is they've got this great focus on jurisprudence. And jurisprudence is effectively the philosophy of law. And it goes back and looks at great jurists throughout history and how they've thought about uh, law as a system. And one of the things that I was fascinated with in law school was this uh, law as a science approach. And you can go back to the 1800s and read stuff from Oliver Wendell Holmes or the hand rule, which is all about making law uh, a more quantitative profession. And I think for the very first time, we are actually doing that. Uh, it's one of the things I feel really privileged to be a part of as a uh, California bar attorney is some of the very first data-driven decisions that are ever happening in a real-time legal practice are happening on the Ironclad platform. Um, and so I just love connecting that back to the hundreds of years of jurisprudence history. Uh, my co-founder, Kai, uh, MIT software engineer, has three degrees from MIT, uh, two computer science degrees, worked as a key engineer at Palantir for a while. And what he was fascinated with is this aspect that you have a very intelligent, well-educated individual who is trying to scale themselves because the legal team is the most highly leveraged team by head count uh, within the organization. They're collaborating with every single other uh, department, but they're usually a very small team themselves. So taking this very highly leveraged, intelligent, thoughtful person, giving them access to tools that they can use to scale themselves out and increase their efficiency and decision-making capability. Um, and he was fascinated because the legal, many of the problems in the legal sphere, particularly the corporate legal sphere, uh, have analogs in the software engineering world. I was kind of talking about the three-way merge earlier, but that problem exists when you have a complicated document and you have specialized folks working on different parts of the document and you want to make sure that they can work independently, but sometimes they accidentally work on the same thing and you want to resolve those conflicts while still not losing the individual work that uh, those folks actually did. Um, software engineers have developed great tools for this. Software engineers have also developed tools to let them focus on the high-level work, like they are able to write unit tests so that they don't have to check that every library in their um, code base is actually up to date and it will, the unit test will flag uh, when one of these little things isn't true so that they can actually go focus on it. So we've been inspired both from Kai's background in the technology world and interest in scaling highly leveraged resources and my own uh, kind of history and philosophy approach uh, from the legal profession. And that, the blend of those two has been really fun to, to work together on. And as, as you've built the product, right, how have you talked a little bit more about how you focused on not boiling the ocean, right? One of the most important things, especially yeah. in the legal industry, you know, which is a follower in many senses, is, is really finding the right entry point. And so talk a little bit more yep. about, you know, contracts is a massive problem, right? And so how have you, how have you guys intentionally thought through, you know, what the right entry point is in, in solving this problem? Yeah. So we basically said we're going to focus on the most underserved part of the market. And the most underserved part of the market is smaller legal teams um, who are trying to do a lot with a little. And that was where we started at the very early days of Ironclad. Um, we've since expanded to, uh, you know, global conglomerates and uh, Fortune 500. But it was only because we focused on, at the beginning, smaller legal teams that we really had to focus on usability. We really had to focus on configurability and 
you know, it wasn't enough to go send someone to train them. They had to be able to figure out how to do a workflow on their own. Um, and what we had to do from a product perspective to make a product that was useful for small, highly leveraged legal teams was we had to focus on workflows. So we had to get some percentage of work off of the lawyer's plate at the smaller companies because those companies need the very limited resources that they have in the legal team. But if you have uh, on any given day, 10 contracts coming in and nine of them are NDAs, um, then you want to try to get those nine NDAs off your plate so you can focus on the one bespoke contract. And uh, the first thing we did at Ironclad was we focused on those more high high volume, low complexity workflows. Uh, and then we were able to build the system out from there to be able to handle the, the myriad of contracts that we were talking about at the beginning of the, the program. And, and talk a little bit more about what the building blocks have been kind of from a design perspective of rethinking the contract experience. So at a, at a, at a first, you know, at a first level at a 50,000 foot level, it makes complete sense that it's really a workflow problem, right? But as you've gotten mm-hmm. into the weeds and you've seen, you know, the myriad types of contracts, the variability, et cetera, talk a little bit more about from a design perspective, how you've had to rethink through, you know, the contract experience. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting design problem of how much constraint and how much structure do you put on it. So we initially started with um, almost no constraints on what you could build as a contract workflow. And we, we didn't even have the concept of steps or anything like that in the platform. And that was great because uh, our mission has always been that everyone can do every type of contract on Ironclad, um, and they could with those no constraints. But it was a much more difficult um, problem to keep the system highly configurable, highly extensible, without requiring truly custom work uh, at each customer. And so we eventually got to a, a really amazing state in collaboration with our customers where we have key gating items in the app. And if you are, those key gating items go across any type of contract. For instance, um, an approval process. Uh, The first step of our our app is called the create step. And the create step ends with a contract that could theoretically get signed. It's a complete contract. Um, And so that's one gating item that we have in the application. Uh, The e-signature, like a contract with a signature on it is another gating step. You're not going to go put a contract in the archive, in the repository that doesn't have a signature. So we came up with these concepts of gating points in the application. And then once we actually introduced that higher level of constraint, it really opened up the types of contracts that we could put on the system without having any um, additional development work required on our side. And so as you scale out, right, especially, you know, in light of a $50 million Series C fundraise, right? You guys have raised, you know, over $80 million. You're building a very interesting ecosystem. And there's an interesting flywheel effect that really takes place at scale in this business, right? We talked about it a little bit earlier, which is as an enterprise, if you have, you know, a data lake of contract terms, right? Contract allowances, um, you not only can disseminate and share knowledge, you know, much more fluently in the organization, but, you know, from, from from the platform's perspective, you can actually start being quite prescriptive with what a good contract looks like, right? Which players should be involved, what the term should be, et cetera. There's also interesting byproducts that get created at scale. Talk, talk a little bit more about how you think about the overall ecosystem you're creating 
you know, especially in light of, you know, the amount of venture capital that you've raised. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the word ecosystem. It's something that we think a lot about here. And I think it's really exciting part of how we are positioned in our space, which is we kind of have come in, we've been able to very quickly become a leader in uh, our market segment. And there's a bunch of innovation that's also happening in adjacent areas. And one way to look at that, of course, would be to look at, uh, you know, other startups and other technology companies doing things with contracts and consider them competitors. That's never been how the the way we've looked at it. Uh, We've always taken an open approach to the ecosystem. And, uh, you know, from day one, our approach was not to build an e-signature platform, but integrate with all of the main providers and DocuSign, AdobeSign, HelloSign. And we've always wanted to work with other companies that are doing parts of the workflow and parts of the process in a, in a great way. Um, and so first-class technology is always something we want to put on the platform. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this wave of funding that is hitting the ecosystem. We're really fortunate to get to work with the investors that we do. And I think we're in a nice position to become a platform in a mutually advantageous way where we're able to put some of the newer players uh, in front of customers and uh, we're at the same time able to up-level the capabilities of our application and what our customers are able to achieve by using the platform. And as you think about being, you know, obviously a principal player in that ecosystem and you think of some of those byproducts that really can get created at scale, what are the natural domains or, you know, additional kind of value-added pieces you'd really like to see Ironclad expand to? Yeah. Um, So we, our focus is really on being the usability layer with our user. And I think where applications can add intelligence on top of that is one vector that we would uh, be excited about partnerships on. Uh, There's obviously a ton of focus on AI in our space right now. And our application has great native capabilities around that. But I also think that there are adjacent uses of AI that we don't necessarily need to build on our application and that other uh, companies and and parties might focus on. For instance, I've seen some folks that have AIs that train really well on NDAs and are able to provide recommendations to an attorney about which clauses to accept and not accept. That's a use case that would be fun to have on our platform and fun to uh, collaborate on to provide value to our end user. Uh, So I'm excited about AI. I'm excited about uh, the narrow use cases of that in particular, where someone can go deep on a particular problem area and uh, get the exposure that they need through our application and we can provide them that um, access to the market. I think one of the interesting things, Jason, in, in hearing you talk, you know, both about Ironclad and, and the way you've built the product, and, and I have to commend you on it, is, you know, I have a lot of founders and CEOs that come on the show, and I, I have to say your, your, your very, very intentional focus on going on depth before going on breadth, um, I think is actually one of, the, one of the underlying pieces for why, you know, there's significant potential to the platform. And I've heard you now say multiple times, you know, in, in multiple of our questions, how you've gone very, very deep into focusing on a pain point and, and a usability case versus, you know, getting distracted or going, you know, super broad. I'm, I'm curious as you've been, 
you know, building the company, I'm, I'm sure we could have a whole separate conversation on this, but what's been the hardest part, you know, of building the product and the, and the company so far? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. And I love the word that you used intent because that is our, uh, one of our company values here, one of our four company values. So we try to be very intentful and thoughtful and have an ownership mentality around that type of thing. So I'm glad I'm exhibiting our company value in that respect. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, people for sure. Uh, I mean, we are in a war for talent here in Silicon Valley. Uh, we have grand ambitions as a company. We don't just want to be a contract lifecycle management system. We want to be the most important system of record and most important system of engagement uh, for corporate America because we're dealing with the most important data that companies have, which is contract data. And we have to really create a uh, category and uh, win a lot of battles over a very long period in order to accomplish that mission. And it, the reason people are the most important thing there is we don't even know what half of those battles are, or uh, we've got a, a great strategic viewpoint and a five-year plan, a three-year plan, but there's so many un- unexpected things that happen along the way. And the only way you can keep climbing hill after hill and be confident about no matter what is thrown your way, we will be able to uh, overcome it is if you have the right people behind you. And so that's where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, we've been really fortunate to build, uh, I think, a world-class executive team, even as uh, early as starting after our Series A round and uh, rounding that out uh, around our C round. So we've got, uh, I have eight uh, direct reports on our executive team, all of whom have uh, a number of years of relevant experience. And uh, it's that people are the lifeblood that keeps our company going every day. So uh, making sure that they're happy, motivated, and all aimed in the same strategic direction is where I spend most of my time. As, as we round out the conversation, Jason, I'm, I'm going to ask you the, you know, the Peter Thiel question as applied to the legal industry, which is, what's one truth about legal uh, you believe that very few people would agree with you on? Um, I believe that the legal team is the most strategic executive uh, that a company can have. And I don't think that most people agree with that. I think there are companies selling to legal teams, but I often see even our competitors um, treat the legal team as kind of just someone that they have to have using their software because the legal team deals with contracts. And really they want to get close to the revenue team because they think the revenue team is more strategic. And I think what our bet has really been is that we can not only transform the way that contracts are done, but we can transform the role of the uh, chief legal executive at a company as well. Um, And I'll give you an example of that uh, at our company. We have a GC. uh, We obviously use Ironclad. And something that's become possible from the collaboration of our GC and our our Ironclad product is now when I actually want to get a window into our sales pipeline, I actually pull up Ironclad where I talk with our GC and I say, hey, how many contracts are on Redline right now? And how many um, of those contracts in Redlines do we typically close? And I'll get a quantitative answer. It'll be like 89%, historically 89% of our contracts at this stage have closed and we've got uh, this many uh, in the pipeline right now for this many dollar value. That's typically a CRO question, but our GC who is closest to the Ironclad implementation actually has that information before anyone else. And we have a great sales work here who is uh, highly quantitative and great at forecasting. But it's, uh, it's been really interesting for me as a 
a CEO to ask that type of question to a legal team. And I think the legal executives of the future will have access and uh, first uh, takes at all of that important data because it, it does come from the contracts. And once they're able to get control of that, uh, it's going to be very, very powerful. Well, Jason, this has been a, a really, really interesting conversation. I'm glad you were able to make the time. You know, thanks again so much for joining us. Really enjoyed having you on today. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. So uh, anytime. Thank you for uh, putting the, the word out there and for hosting this type of podcast. It's fun to be involved in an industry that's as early as we are.